Welcome to another episode of From the Heart. Todd, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. This is two episodes in. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited because this concept that we have now is just kind of a, I, a lot of things are on my mind. The idea with the podcast was to interview some great guests, but also, you know, my in my experience and the people that I get to be around and oftentimes the people that we get to talk to, yeah. things just trigger and ideas come to mind. And after our conversation with Ken Blanchard and on my trip to Vietnam that I was recently able to take, uh, a lot of things have been kind of just kicking around in my mind about leadership in general. So I'm excited to share some of the things that have been on my mind when yeah. it comes to becoming a better leader and really kind of in the theme of Ken's interview, being a better servant leader. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to do these episodes because like you said, you do have a lot of experience and you've got a lot of insight that I think complements the guest interviews well that you maybe couldn't even talk about in the interview because we want to get their story. Right. Right. Uh, but we also want to add as much value as possible to the audience. Yeah. And I think these leading from the heart episodes are going to be extremely valuable. And I'm excited to be the be the audience to ask you questions. Well, great. I'm excited. Know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's, that's well, let me, part. I'd, I'd love to share with you some things that kind of came up after yeah. we talked with, with Ken. And so, as you know, I actually have a day job where I work at Cal State University Fullerton. And I've been leading a family business dynamics class for about the last nine years. Mm -hmm. And we have a professor by the name of Dr. Tam Nguyen, Vietnamese American, very close friend of mine. About a year and a half ago, he and I came up with the idea of taking a study abroad class to Vietnam. Well, the idea to go somewhere. Yeah. And then eventually the idea of Vietnam, that's where he's from. Uh, we have a lot of family businesses down there that we know. And one of the things that we had the opportunity to do while on this trip every day with these students is we were riding in a big, long 45-passenger bus. Sometimes we had a 30-minute ride. Sometimes we had about two hours. So usually we're just on our phones and we're, you know, yeah. checking and, and reaching back to, to our friends back here in America. But we also had a lot of talk time with these students. And really, you know, we had mentors on the bus with us. We had leaders, not just Tam and me. Mm -hmm. And one day, Tam uh, shared an article that he read with the students that talked about what we then sort of kind of customized into our, our own thing mm -hmm. about what are some things that millennials in particular need to really know about becoming a leader. You know, oh. As we know, there are hundreds and thousands of companies now that have been started and are being led by millennials. Yeah. And I think that these concepts that I'm going to share with you in a moment are applicable to anyone, mm -hmm. but especially I think as we focus really in on the next generation of leaders, which is a lot of what we do with family businesses is preparing these next gen leaders. So if you don't mind, yeah. I'd, I'll just share with no, you. I, I, so I have a question. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to probably you have bet. a few. That's okay. <laughs> what's What's the age range of the people that were the students that were on the trip? On this trip? Yeah. Yeah. These were typically juniors and seniors in, in okay. university. So I would say our youngest may have been 20 and I, I think our oldest was about 27. So okay. in that, you know, 20 to 27 and even some younger leaders in their early thirties sure. were along on this trip with us. So this is, I think these are our concepts that are applicable to everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer. I'm 55 years old. This sure. applies to me as well. These sure. are things that we all need to work on and really improve. Well, I'm assuming they're also just kind of like human relational. Really, they because are. Because yeah. when you're leading, you're, you're bringing people with you. Like we talked about, Ken, we're collaborating. Yeah, collaborating, absolutely. absolutely. All right, so, so the 5Q leadership method. Yeah, so what we're calling kind it. of the 5Q, and again, this is from concepts we've read, concepts we've seen in other books, and we've others talk about. Uh, so Tam and I, Tam led it off by talking about what he called the 4Q. Mm -hmm. And then as he was talking, it got me re remembering 
the fifth cue. Okay. So we <laughs> talked about that. And a lot of, none of these are really new, but I, I like, I'm, I'm a very. Well, no, Ed, is anything really new? That is true. There I mean, are I, no more original thoughts, right? No, there's so yeah. many times people say that, well, this isn't new. Well, reality is what nothing's is, yeah. new. Hey, I got a new idea. Right. No, you no. have a new way of looking at it. Exactly. It's a yeah. new frame to look yeah. at an old idea that is tried and true because it works. Exactly. So I, I think you don't need to say it's nothing new because nothing's new. Goes without saying, right? Right. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. So let me just share with you, I'll start with, uh, again, 5Q. And the reason we call it 5Q is going to be obvious here in a second. There are five Qs. Yeah. (laughs) So we've heard a lot of talk over the years, and I've read articles about the importance of being emotionally intelligent. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that's EI, but they do call that EQ because they oftentimes compare that to the second Q, which is IQ. Right. For decades and probably centuries, we've talked about IQ. There are IQ tests you can take. We talk about Mensa, which is an organization that really tests the IQ. So we talk a lot in the first two cues about the difference between EQ and IQ. And so as Tam and I were talking with the students, the EQ was really just the importance of being emotionally intelligent, being able to kind of, I, I always say my favorite people in the world are people who just get it. Oh, yeah. They just, in a yeah. scenario, they know how to act. They know what to say. They're socially conscious. They're socially kind of able to really communicate in any situation. They just kind of have a maturity about them. And I think that, so that first cue really is just, I think a leader today, millennial or not, baby boomer to millennial, Gen X, what have you, really needs to be emotionally intelligent and aware of their surroundings and kind of just that get it, you know, they're not, they're not stumbling and, and so forth. So which the, the comparison on that to the second cue is the IQ, certainly yeah. the intelligence. You need to have an education. Sure. Uh, again, we're talking to students on a bus in Vietnam right. going to a, a family business organization. The importance of a good education, the importance of really in your field, studying, you're a producer, you are a CPA. Obviously, you don't just jump in. You could be the most EQ guy in the world and do all these things, but without the education, and the sure. certification, you can't become a CPA. People aren't going to oh. trust you with their taxes. Right. And so... Unless you're a good con uh, man. Yeah, that's true. And there are. There, <laughs> there, there are, are some people who are. Whose EQ is off the charts. Exactly. Right? Yeah, their IQ is down low, but they make up for it. So the first yeah. two really balance is that emotional maturity. You get it. The IQ, you have the knowledge. You have the experience. You have the education, which is important. And a lot of the conversations over the years have kind of stopped there. Yeah. What this article that Tam shared with us on the bus and then what he and I sort of added, and actually Tam and I are in the process of creating a book Ooh. about these as well. A collaborative a book? A collaborative book. How Imagine perfect that. for the Ken yeah. Blanchard. I have a new idea. Let's collaborate <laughs> on a book, right? <laughs> there so you go. Uh, the third cue that is in this article that he shared and, and we talk about, and, and he modified it a little bit, and I like the way he did it, and that's AQ. And the A stands for adaptability. Oh, yeah. We're that's in a culture huge. that where we need to adapt. Um, not just to situations. Things don't always go as planned. No, they you know, don't. we're waiting for that big thing to come in the mail or we're waiting for that big phone call or we're waiting for something and maybe it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen the way we want it to. Um, and also, oftentimes we are just, just situational. Things come up and they change on us and we have to be able to adapt. A great leader, I believe, really adapts well to his or her circumstances. Um, yeah, things, things usually aren't going to go as planned. Yeah. Well, the thing I, I kind of always talk about with, with my clients and whatever, whether I'm in the CPA chair or I'm in my coaching chair or I'm in my producer chair, what, whatever it is I'm doing, making a podcast, there is so much to be said for the ability to not hold on to your expectations. Right. Right. Because we, we get the plan 
dialed in right. and then something doesn't go right usually after the first step. Right. And we have to adjust. But if we're if we're if our expectations are what's going to hold us back, then we're never going to move forward. Right. So you have to be ab- adaptable because our expectations a lot of times rarely get reached. Ties right into your book. Yeah. <laughs> Ties yeah. right into my yeah, book. Your yeah. Book I didn't burn the plans and do, you know, just do yeah. things. And that, I think that is yeah. adaptability at its finest right there. You know, yeah, we need to plan. We, we need to know that I want to go from A to Z, Yeah, but it might take, I might have to jump to S before I do B. Right. And sometimes we just have to adapt and do things differently. And so. the willingness to adapt. That's something I, I see. That's in you. true. Like your willingness to adapt to situations is I think one of the big reasons that you've been successful. I feel like that's why I've been successful. And most of the people that I've talked to and the interviews that we've had, yeah. they've all been adaptable. Absolutely. That's a huge asset. Yeah. And and I guess you could maybe the the um you know, the opposing viewpoint on all of this could be, well, that's what EQ is. EQ is adaptability. Sure. It's all the other and, and you could be right. But I think that to, to give adaptability kind of its own credit, if you will. Sure. You know, being adaptable is very important, which leads us to the fourth Q, I think, in a big way. And the CQ is cultural. Ah. And now we talk about culture and companies and how companies like, you know, WD-40 and the Ken Blanchard companies and some of these others that we've spoken with, Charles Antis, who we'll mm-hmm. hear about down the road, they, they've created a culture in their organization, which is kind of that servant leadership culture. Yeah. But Tam and I are talking more in this particular area of really the diversity of cultures. You know, we're in Vietnam. Oh. We have a group of American students yeah. in Vietnam adapting to that culture of you know, different language, different currency, different skill sets, mm-hmm. different um, philosophies, different traditions. There are areas in the world where I've been where you can't cross your legs a certain way or fold your arms a certain way because, yeah. you know, to me, I'm folding my arms because I'm cold or I'm folding my arms because I'm thinking. Right. But someone may see that as I'm folding, you're folding your arms so you're being rude. Right. Oh, sure. And so that cultural maturity, that ability to really adapt, again, the A, yeah. but really more that, that cultural maturity or that cultural intelligence, being aware. It's a small world. Yeah. We work in a world now. All you have to do is walk outside this studio, and in 10 minutes, you'll run across probably 30 different cultures. Yeah. And that's just right here in Anaheim, California. Right. So that CQ is very important to be very, uh, you know, to have that cultural maturity, if you will. Now, wouldn't that even cultural cross the generational lines too oh like definitely between like the millennials and the millennials baby boomers to and, yeah. boomers to gen x to z like there yeah. are things culturally within generations that are different such a good let point. alone other countries yeah that's a really good point because i we've done some work in fact um in my consulting and the work that i've done over the years we've done a lot of work in teaching baby boomers how to communicate with millennials teaching them how to communicate how do you with do gen that? xers that's next week's leadership moment. I think yeah. that's a good, <laughs> yeah, that's a that, good plug right yeah, there. There you go. I want to hear that. Yeah. Because that, that topic is very hot right now, obviously because the millennials are entering the workforce at such a level that it has to be dealt with because culturally they've grown up differently yeah. than the boomers did. They grew up differently than X did. And I'm kind of unique because I'm on the, I'm on the tipping point. I could say, depending on how I feel, I'm an Xer. Right. Or I could say I'm a I'm a millennial. Like I'm yeah. I'm in that birth range where you're adaptable. I'm, I'm adaptable, right? Go. I'm a That's chameleon right. when That's it comes right. to generation, which is yeah. kind of which nice. is good. Yeah, which is there's definitely and and like any skill set, you've looked at tests like Strengths Finder and Myers Briggs and yeah. things like that, where a certain strength or personality trait has its equal and opposite downside. Yeah. So you know if you're a very disciplined person, you might always also be seen as rigid. Sure. If you're very go with the flow, you might be seen as sort of flaky. Wishy-washy. And so wishy-washy. So, yeah, so everything kind of has that as well. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I do events every month 
for family-owned companies, and this is for the Gen Xers, the baby boomers, the millennials, and so forth. And the title of the workshop, we happened to do it on Halloween, and so we titled the workshop Talk or Tweet instead of <laughs> Trick or Treat. And the whole I idea was how do you communicate? You know, the, yeah. the, the baby boomers, the, the greatest generation, my dad, 92 years old, if there's an issue, you talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Today, a lot of the millennials, everybody is on their cell phones. Yeah. They're tweeting, they're Instagramming, they're Facebooking, they're whatevering Texting. the other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that Instead too. Instead of can a still phone that. call, it's, and, and that's yeah. even another level from email. Like, right. uh, email is still a very important thing in business. Right. But from a personal level, it's very rare that you send an email yeah. to somebody. Yeah. But you send a, a lot text because you want a quick response. Right. Yeah. Or the thing I like about texting is they get a chance to respond, to think about their response. Yeah. As opposed to over the phone or in person, a lot of times, especially if you got something heavy to say, you don't always putting wanna, someone on the spot, like breaking up over text. I don't know how I feel. Yeah, about I don't. That. Yeah, yeah. The heavy emotional stuff, face <laughs> right. to face it, and that's, right. and that's that talk or tweet idea too. Yeah. Is you know really that I, I love your point about culture could be cross generational too. We yeah. really hadn't thought of that, so thank you for that. That that hey, that adds to this whole philosophy. Here. Yes. So that's that's really really powerful. Uh, and then the final cue that uh, this was one that came up in our discussion on the bus. This wasn't in the article. This was one that was, again, collaboration. There's our uh -huh. C word today is the SQ or the social maturity. Oh. Um, companies today have to be corporate. The corporate social responsibility is, is more than a buzzword. It's something that companies just do. Companies like WD-40, Gary Ridge, who, again, we're going to introduce to our audience here down the road. Mm -hmm. Um Gary talks a lot about being socially responsible. Everything they do is for a bigger cause. It's not about the bottom line. It's not about just treating your employees well even, which is important, mm -hmm. but it's what you're doing in your community. And another event that we've done in the recent past here in my job is we did a workshop on corporate social responsibility, and the tagline was, does your community know you're there? Mm. And the discussion was really, if you were to pick up and move, your company to Waco, Texas, because labor is cheaper, or Puerto Rico, oh, yeah. or just to another city in the county, would the city where you were even know you left? Huh. And if they wouldn't, that means you're not doing your job. You need to be so dialed into your community as a company. You're yeah. not just sponsoring a little league team or right. doing gift cards and things like that for your, your staff or a little bit of, you know, a day where you go out to Habitat for Humanity or whatever. Those are great. Yeah. And you should be doing those things. Right, right. But the companies that are really corporate socially or the leaders that are socially responsible. And I really see that one of my favorite things about working with millennials and I'm around them every day in my work is how socially responsible they are. Everything is philanthropy. Everything is, you know, I want a job that allows me to give back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a new mindset that those of us who are a little bit older may not have really thought about when we've gotten into our careers. So really this whole idea is as we look at leadership on the big picture Again, to summarize, it really is important that the leader of today is so is um, has that EQ, really mm -hmm. gets it. They understand. They understand in a situation that things are not always going to be the way they plan. The intelligence is important. You got to have the education. You got to have the skill set, certifications or licenses, depending sure. on what they choose to do. Be adaptable. Things are going to change. It's it's today is not going to look no, how it's you look. I went to a time management program recently and the, and the expert who was speaking to the group said that one of like 10 or 12 different ways to manage your time better that he shared that really stuck out to me was only schedule half your day. Don't schedule oh. every hour on the hour because what you're going to find out is by the middle of the day, you're going to be frustrated mm. that you're not getting the things done that you planned on. It's going to move to tomorrow and then it's going to move to the next day and the next day. He said, I plan half my day for fires. Because oh. I know in my role as a leader, oh, yeah. 
people are going to be knocking on my door. They're going to be coming in, calling, texting, emailing, what right. have you. A situation where I just didn't plan, so I need to be adaptable. Yeah. And then certainly that uh, that culture. Right. If you look in your organization, anybody who's watching or listening to this, take a look in your organization, and I'll bet you if you have 30 or more employees around you, there's 10 different countries and nationalities yeah. and ethnicities and three or four generations, yeah. to your point. And then finally, the, the giving back. That social responsibility right. is so important. So I hope that our, our, our viewers and our listeners today and yourself yeah. will think a little bit more about just kind of being the – you know, as you're leading as a servant leader and as you're really leading your organization going forward, you'll really think about all these different ways that we need to lead. Yeah. And it all really ties together. So so that's our our leadership. Uh, leading from the leading heart. Leading from yeah. the heart. Yeah, these are the things. And this is what I'm planning to do each week. Just what did this week's episode of the podcast make me think about? What are some observations? And in this case, you know, this trip to Vietnam with, with Dr. Tam Nguyen, really, he's the one that was the impetus behind this whole yeah. discussion. I, I love this this 5Q leadership model because I think all of these are important. I've experienced all of them, good or bad, from my leaders and leading uh, myself as well. But it's it's easy for some people that are receiving the leadership to be focused on one of these as opposed to five. So how do you how do you approach someone that's like, well, the only thing that matters is social responsibility? But not taking into account the other four, right? Like how does how how does somebody come to? Because you have to kind of teach. I'm assuming there's an education, absolutely, with and, your people. And I think that goes back to looking at some of the great leaders. We talked earlier about the great leaders or great storytellers, and I, the whole idea behind this is to get people to understand the big picture. And yeah, there may be people you're leading who all that matters is the social responsibility. Yeah. Are we able to give back? And that's great. And let's look for ways that they can do that. And and maybe on your team, you have people who are stronger in certain areas. Sure. Uh, we have people in my organization that are very high IQ, college professors. These are men and women who who really, you know, they've got three degrees and they were in school for 15 years. And, yeah. and now they've been teaching for, for decades. And they're, certainly their IQ is off the charts. Um, to me, it's balance. To me, it's yeah. trying to teach that person how important it is to, to adapt. Mm -hmm. You know, a college professor, I'll keep using college professors as my example. Yeah. College professor at Cal State Fullerton 40 years ago had need to have needed to have a high IQ. Mm -hmm. It was predominantly white males in the classroom, mm -hmm. so the cultural maturity wasn't really necessary. Sure. The talk of giving back wasn't really a thing. I mean, yeah, you did, and people who got it did that, but mm -hmm. it's become so much more just mainstream now. You walk onto the campus at any university in, in the United States, especially here in Orange County, and the diversity that you see. So I think that if anybody comes at you with the, well, this is really the only thing that matters and the most important, grab their hand and say, hey, take a walk with me for a minute. Lead and, them. And lead them. Literally yeah. show them. Right. You know, great leaders show. They don't yeah. tell. So you just show them how it works. That's huge. It's, it's, so, it's so important to not pigeonhole one of these over the other. Cause I yeah. think they're all important Absolutely. across the board. Like you, you just said balance. Yeah. And I will measure my people on those five cues mm. on my team. I will make sure as we go forward that this is built into our company culture, yeah. the heart leadership center is yeah. this is what we're about. Everything that we do from this podcast to the consulting, to the work with family businesses, it's about really teaching people and showing them the importance of balance. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've, I've heard a term that I love. Uh, we always hear, hear the term work-life balance. 
Right. You know, I've got my kids. I've got my PTA. I've got my things I got to do. Oh, yeah, I got to work. I've got this. <laughs> right. I got my personal other things as well. And balancing those things is very hard because when you try to balance things, oftentimes something falls. Yeah. I like the term work-life rhythm. Just keeping oh, like it in that. a rhythm that yeah. from the time I wake up in the morning to the time I go to bed at night, here's the stuff I got to do. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter if I'm, I mean, some organizations, yeah, if I'm working on a, on a factory line and, right. and we're making bottles or something, I do that from eight to five. Right. I can't take calls. I can't get on social Correct. media. I can't go to Starbucks and sit and have a cup of coffee for two hours. I get yeah. that. But the majority of us aren't doing that. The majority of us have so many different things we're doing throughout the course of the day that that work-life rhythm is really important. That yeah. There are times when I'm making personal calls at two in the afternoon and I'm working at 10 o'clock at night. Yep. That's really kind of the norm. And I think that's yeah. really what we're seeing in our society a lot. So is I that happening that, in bigger companies as well? I, I mean, think that's, it is. That's my life is I you do know, I do one thing one day or seven things one day and then three different things the next day. And yeah. sometimes it's, you never know what time. Is, is that happening in corporate America now as well? I see it. I definitely see it. I mean, you, you, you see more and more studies on the culture of like Google and Apple and some of these other companies where it really is about creating that rhythm. You can come to work and eat your breakfast at work. The company picks up the tab. Yeah, uh, They give you quiet time. Tony Shea, who runs Zappos, he uh, actually has a quiet room. He encourages his people to create ideas and, and invent other companies and other things because it gets them creative. He creates right. nap time. Literally, there's, yeah. you know, the idea is, look, we get that you're a person first and an employee second. Right. And it's really just, you know, again, that culture, it's that the companies that understand that we have a life beyond the eight to five yeah. are going to get more from us, I believe, during that eight to five. Yeah. Which is probably a, a very large disconnect for the greatest generation and the boomers. Absolutely. To be like, well, no, you nose to the grindstone, yeah. eight to five or eight to whatever. Like yeah. that's, that's a thing that culturally is changing. So yeah. across the board, like, I think this is fantastic. I, I hear a lot of the book. Yeah. I hear a lot of leaders and I say it myself to my team. I don't really care what your hours are as long as the work gets done. Yeah. Because a lot of the work that we do doesn't have to be done between eight and five. And again, keep in mind, there are, as I said, there are jobs where it is just eight to five right. or it is, you know, you've got a shift, you're making coffee. This is your shift. You got to be here during these hours. I don't expect you to be doing other things, but that balance or that rhythm. The rhythm. The rhythm is really something. That the rhythm is going to get you, as they rhythm say. Rhythm right? is going to get you. <laughs> we'll what? end on that right there. Yeah. <laughs> I love that work-life rhythm, man. That's so. That's so my life. Yeah. Like that, I mean, I, you, you, your you're life a CPA, too. a producer, a host, a father, a husband, right. a Christian. You've got your work at your church, and you what? don't segment it. Okay, today no. for the next two hours, I'm dad. No. You know, for the next three hours, I'm husband. For the right. next two hours, I'm producing. For the next hour, I'm hosting. It just, it's a it flow. just goes it's a and rhythm. It's a rhythm. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. We should do an entire episode on that. Rhythm's going to get you. Heart. We'll rhythm do that. Yeah, and that'll be our theme song coming in. <laughs> Thanks, Gloria Stefan and Miami Sound Machine for the credit for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Good pull. This is, I think this is going to be fun. I think we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I just, you know, I've, a lot of things in my heart and yeah. there's a lot on my mind and I get an opportunity with these interviews that we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, we've recorded seven or eight episodes so far and I've had conversations with 30 or 40 people already about yeah. being on the show and, and most have said yes. Most have said soon or right. yeah, let's do it now. Right. But the cool thing is in all of those discussions, I'm having conversations about them yeah. and with them. And what I am noticing is that that rhythm, you know, Greg yeah. Grunberg, who we're going to see soon, who's in the fun. new episode of Star Wars that just came out. Yep. 
Greg produces, Greg hosts a podcast. He's an actor, he's an entrepreneur, he's a father, he's he runs a, a nonprofit, guy. he's a husband. Yeah. Yeah, everything in his life is rhythm. I'm excited to talk to him about that That's as well. Awesome. From the heart, leading from the heart. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> There's so many things. <laughs> Thanks for listening to From the Heart, a Fraser Industries Studios production. Created and hosted by Ed Hart. Directed and produced by me, Todd Frazier. Edited by Christopher Cody. To find out more, go to frazierinc.com slash from the heart. F-R-A-Z-I-N-C dot com slash F-R-O-M-T-H-E-H-A-R-T. We'll see you in the next episode.